Thank you for listening to Willamette Community Church's sermon series in the Psalms. Join us as Pastor Scott concludes our study in Psalm 78. Glad that you're here. We're going to continue to look into the Psalms as we have been doing this summer. But before we do that, uh, we're going to have a little family time because that's what this is, family. And I want to uh, share a story with you. And, and to help me share a little story, I'm going to invite the Buell family up onto the stage with me. Would you welcome them up here this morning, please? Rob, Robin, Leanne, Titus, and little baby whom you're not telling us the name yet. Okay, that's fine. Uh, hey, this is a, kind of a sad day for us today, but we're also rejoicing what God is doing in your life. Rob, tell us a little bit about where you're going, because today is actually going to be your last Sunday here. It is. Um, we're headed to Wisconsin, actually, here this afternoon. Uh, we just accepted a, a lead pastor role at a church there. Uh, on the west side of the state, um, and we're leaving after as soon as the truck's full this afternoon. And in fact, if all of you showed up, um, about one or two boxes each, and we'd be done. Okay. So, one o'clock. One o'clock today. So right after the service, get a quick bite. One o'clock. Give us the address so we can. Uh, one twenty-one Lake Street. One twenty-one Lake Street. So you go down that way on Old Salem Road. One twenty-one Lake Street. We're gonna help. You got all your boxes packed. We're just going to throw them in a U-Haul. Now, here is this map. So here we are. You're going to Whitehall, Wisconsin. That's if you walk the thing. Uh, it's going to probably take less time if you drive it. Anyway, so you've told us you're going there to lead a church. Uh, could Tell us a little of the story, how you got to that process, please. Sure. Uh, we've lived here in Albany about 14 years, and uh, Robin and I have added our family here along the way. Uh, we've got number three coming as well, and uh, been at a ministry here at, at a church. I worked in youth ministry there, worked as an associate, and then my final role there was the lead pastor. Uh, about two and a half years ago, it, it, um, as churches will go, it was time for us to, to move away from that ministry of course, with some, with some love for the people and the church and, of course, this community, but also some hurts as you leave something uh, that you love. It, it can be hurt to, to pull away from that. So, so we've, um, that's, that's what we've been leaving, and, uh, and, and we've been looking to see what God would have next for us, where he would want us to go, how he would want us to serve. So we've asked a lot of questions. We've talked to churches in Thailand and Guam and California and Oregon and Washington and thought maybe four or five minutes about a church in South Dakota. Um, <laughs> and then here about May, uh, this church in Wisconsin came on the, on the radar for us, and we read through the job description and just thought, this is us. And all along the way, God has confirmed that to us. And, and we were there a couple weeks ago, middle of August, and really just once we were there, uh, we, we just love the people. They loved us back. Of course, they don't know us that well yet. Um, several people said, you know, if your family could come, you could come anytime later. Just get them here fast, and we'll put up with you. So we're, we've been grateful to, um, to see what God has done in the process. You'll talk about that for your message yeah. this morning, and, and that is, that's, that's our story. Um, yeah. Great, great. Well, I appreciate 
in your hurt and in your transition and all of this, that you came and you were a part of our church and you didn't just sit here and consume, but that you got highly involved. You built relationships, which makes it a little more painful today, but uh, that you got plugged in. And I think it's really a good picture of what all of us should be doing, uh, getting plugged in. And so with that, I'm going to ask our community group to come up. Uh, You've been working through this process. My community group come up here their community group, whatever we want to call this. Come up here. I'm going to have you get right on the edge here. And uh, we would like to pray for you. I'm going to ask the rest of the church to please stand as well because we are going to pray for Rob and Robin and their kids and uh, the new ministry that God has for them. I think Aaron, let's give... Oh, yeah, you're going to read some. Aaron's going to pray. And then who do I... Brody, are you up for praying here? And... um, Katie is going to pray. I'm going to say this before you read that, Rob. Uh, Our community group got together, I remember, the Sunday after Easter, and we were at the Gehrig's house. We were talking about Easter, and and Rob, you had said something like this. You said, it's been three Easter's that I haven't been able to preach, and uh, I'm hoping that for the next Easter, the Lord would provide a spot. And so even this is a culmination of some of the praying that we were doing for you and your family. And so uh, with sad hearts, we bless you and we want to pray for you. But go ahead and uh, read what you have there, please. You know, as we've talked about this transition, really, uh, we felt like we've had a choice in, in terms of how we respond to uh, how, what, what we've been going through, that uh, if we would have chosen to suffer alone, we'd be celebrating alone as well. And hmm. so these, these folks have been a part of both the suffering and the celebration. Uh, These words from Job have been um, speaking to me of late. Uh, It says this, Blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. And these are some of the hands in the last couple of years, and of course many of yours as well, that have really uh, ministered to our kids and our family, my wife. And and so we're grateful. Hmm. Thank 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 you, Rob. Thank you. Aaron, would you lead our church in a word of prayer for the Buells? Lord, I just thank you for the Buells. Uh, first, I want to thank you for the blessing they've been to our church body and, and the gift they've been to us as friends. Uh, I specifically thank you for the patience and vision that you've given Rob and Robin. They've looked at so many opportunities. They've been patient. They've been steadfast. And we just firmly believe this is the right open door for them. And, and I pray that you prepare the hearts of this church body just to give hearts of receptiveness. I pray for their physical health as they uh, go to a new community and uh, have a little bit of stress with travel, giving them safe travel, uh, Lord, but just anchor them with a circle of friends in love as they prepare. And, and Lord, I specifically pray for Rob and his heart as he literally prepares to, to speak and, and, and preach on September 18th. Just give him stamina, strength, and Lord, give them a peaceful journey as we prepare for them to depart and we will miss them greatly. Pray these things in your name, amen. Dear Lord, I just I pray for Rob and Robin. I pray that you would just give them safety as they travel to Wisconsin. Just help them to know that you are always with them every step of the way and that you have never left them and you will never leave them, Lord. Just uh, as Aaron was praying, just give them a family, a circle of friends, Lord, in Wisconsin and uh, help them to know that they will be missed. God, I just praise you for um, your goodness and your faithfulness. 
that you have walked Rob and Robin and their family through this difficult last couple of years of waiting, not knowing what was ahead, but knowing that you are good. God, as you've called Rob and his family to shepherd your flock in this new church, remind them that you are their good shepherd and that you are going to shepherd them and lead them into this next new phase, season of their life, Lord. Shepherd them along their journey there. Shepherd them as they get there, Lord. I just pray that they would continue to see your faithfulness like never before, that it would just their love for you and that they would sense your love for them in a new and a fresh way. We praise you, God, that you have called them to this new flock and you will be faithful. You are waiting there for them and you cannot wait for the ministry and the ways you're going to use them. Heavenly Father, I agree with these prayers and ask, uh, yes, that you would help Rob and Robin and Leanne and Titus and little baby as they go through this next season of life. We thank you that you are with them and that you have a great love for them. So we ask that you would establish the work of their hands. Uh, We say this with heavy hearts, uh, but we know and we look forward to a reunion one day, Lord, when we will all be together and we will just tell of your glories in our lives. And so we ask your richest blessing on them, even as they travel today. We commit this to you, and as a church family, we all pray this together. In Jesus' name we all say, amen, 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 amen. So 1 o'clock today, 121 Lake Street. Let's go help them. And uh, it's just a beautiful picture that they have provided of saying, hey, we need the body of Christ, and they have been here. And, 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 uh, and that's why that hurts. But um, Rob and Robin, we, are, uh, we love you dearly. Love you dearly. All right, uh, today we are going to look at another psalm. We're going to finish this series, Psalm 78. And as we do this today, I recognize that we have the kids with us. Last week that we have the kids with us, you're going to be happy to know this, kids. Next week, you'll have your own classes downstairs. But while we have you today, uh, we're going to look at this psalm, and it has to do with children. And, and I'm excited because it's about a story, and Rob shared a little of his story. We're going to see another story today. So I hope you have your Bibles. We're going to look at Psalm 78. If you want to use this Bible, we're going to be on page 488. And partly what this will do for us is it will also prepare us for communion today. At the end of our time together, we are going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And this passage, I believe, is going to help us to remember Jesus. We've entitled this series, Back to the Future. And the idea is that when the Psalms were written, and a lot of these Psalms were written 1000 BC, that was a long time ago, they were writing Psalms going back in their history, looking back at their past. And yet the Psalms were also written looking ahead at a glorious day when God would bring a Messiah, one who would be sent from heaven to make all things right. And so these Psalms are looking back, but they're also looking into the future and We're going to see a little of that today. 
Now, Back to the Future, I couldn't help, as I did this for the last time this week, I couldn't help but think of the movie again, Back to the Future. Still one of my favorites in the mid-'80s, stories of this high school kid named Marty McFly. And Marty McFly all of a sudden gets into a time machine. That's kind of a long story, but he gets sent back accidentally to 1955. And uh, 1955, he starts to see a lot of his own personal history. He understands why this guy named Biff was just tormenting his family in the 80s. And he understands this as he goes back to the past. He understands a little bit about how his parents met as he goes back in the past. And he realizes some of his own, his dad and his mom, some of their own secrets and some of their own brokenness and things like that. And then the rest of the message is just how does he get back to the future? How does he get back to 1985? And it's kind of an entertaining movie. But this psalm, this psalm is very much for us today a time machine where we get to go back into our past. And I promise that we'll get back to 2016. We won't get lost in some prehistoric age or something like that. But as we look at this psalm today, we are going to do some time traveling back in time. And we're going to see at the beginning of this psalm, a guy named Asaph, what he does is he writes to another generation. And he says what has to happen, and this is important for us, is that the generation behind us, they have to hear our story. When I asked Rob to come up, it was more than just, hey, you're going to Wisconsin. But I said, just briefly tell us your story. And he talks about some hurt and, and some heartache and how he's been here and he's been wandering for a few years and waiting on the Lord. And there's something that this psalmist says. He says, it's important for us to share our story and how all of us relate to God. I was also thinking about this because kids are going back to school this week. How many kids are going back to school? Even big kids, high school, middle school, grade school, college. It's coming up where we're going back to school. And what happens when kids go back to school is they learn from an older generation. Sometimes they think they're old fogies, but they are an older generation who says, we want to teach you in our ways. And so much of that is going to happen and as I thought about that, I thought, you know what, even though my kids are going back to school, their greatest teacher is not their teachers. Their greatest teacher is still me and their mom. And me and mom need to teach them and to teach them some of our history and teach them certain ways. And so I understand that much education is going to take place in the coming days because whether it's teachers or parents or grandparents or people that you serve that are younger than you, you have information that you need to share with them. Maybe you're a year or two ahead of them, but you have information you need to share with the next generation. It reminds me of the farmer's insurance quote. Maybe you've heard this, but the guy says this, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. All right? What a great truth is that us who... Everybody, we all know a thing or two, and what we're trying to do is share that with the next generation because we have seen this. We want to share this with you. We want to share some of the mistakes. We want to share some of the thoughts we had while we were waiting. We want to share some things with you, and this psalm today shows us this. I'm going to say one more thought in terms of an introductory thought before we get into the psalm, and it's this. When we share with the, pre, when the, with the next generation... 
It takes much wisdom. Maybe you want to even write this word down. Wisdom in sharing with the next generation. How much do we share? How do we share with them? Because sometimes we're just too passive. We're like, you know what? They'll figure it out on their own. Sometimes parents and grandparents, we've said this and said, you know what? I think I was maybe a little too passive. And I was just hoping that they would catch this. Sometimes we have also been a little too forceful. And we said, you know what? We are going to cram it down their throat. And we've hurt our kids. We've hurt our grandkids. And so it takes much wisdom in sharing with the next generation what God would put on our hearts to share. All this to say, here's one of the points I want you to hear today, is that every single one of us, we have a God-given mission to share our story. We have a God-given mission to share our story. Every single one of us. What's your mission field? You say, well, you know, I'm going to go to Mexico in a few months. Or so. Listen, your mission field is to share today and in the coming days. Your God-given mission is to share your story. Share your story with people in a community group. Share your story with your children, your coworkers, your neighbors. But you have a God-given mission to share your story. Now with that, let me read the first few verses of Psalm 78. Grab your Bibles if you would. Follow along as I read. And please feel free in your Bibles to underline or mark up some key words as you hear these, as you read these. You say, ah, that's important. Mark up your Bibles. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Asaph writes, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. Verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord, Yahweh, and His might, and the wonders that He has done. Verse 5, he established a testimony in Jacob, that's the nation of Israel, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Verse 8, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Asaph just says, hey, everybody, just listen up for a second. Just listen up. Here's this point is we've got to share with this next generation. In other words, he's saying it this way. The next generation must hear of God's goodness. He says, as if he's saying this to a congregation. Here we are reading it a few thousand years later. He says, the next generation has to hear about God's goodness. And when he talks about this, it's not just we'll drag them to church and let them hear it from somebody else. They need to hear from all of us. The next generation needs to hear of God's goodness. We have this God-given mission to share our story. Verse 7 has a few key thoughts that jumped out to me. I want to share them with you. He said, one, so that they would trust in him. He says, one of the reasons we have to share about God's goodness is we want our kids and our grandkids and the people coming after us to trust in this God. Some of you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
you know this, that your greatest joy is that your kids would follow you in this faith. It's not that your kid would be the next great athlete or that your kid would have a nice big home. Our greatest joy truly is that our kids would follow Jesus Christ. John says this later. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You understand this, right, parents? You say, this is what I want for my kids. Grandparents, you understand this. And he says, we have to, the, our, the next generation has to hear this so that they would trust in him. Maybe you're here today and you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, but you say, you know what, I do want my kids to learn from my mistakes. I want them to learn how to budget money. I want them to learn how to make good choices. I'm going to tell you, though, that the greatest thing that your kids can learn is how to trust in Jesus Christ. And we have a God-given mission to share our story. Secondly, I see this in verse 7, so that they would not forget him We have to share the story of God's goodness so that our kids would not forget God. I know this, that our kids are bombarded with distractions nowadays. When I was a kid, you could go home and watch two or three channels on TV. Now there are just countless channels on demand, Netflix, all these things, not to mention the little tablet and the phone sticking in front of their face, just tons of distractions. But it's not just for the kids, is it? Football season just started. Distraction for many of us. And when there are distractions, one of the things we tend to forget besides responsibilities at home, but we forget God. And he says, listen, the next generation and us, we need to hear of God's goodness so that we would not forget him amongst the many distractions in life. We have a God-given mission, God-given mission. Don't forget this, to share our story. And then I see this in verse 7 as well, so that they would follow in his ways. This is why we need to share our story, is that these children would actually follow in the ways of Jesus. It's not that they would just one time believe, that they would continue to believe. And so that means you're going to have to share your story of, you know what, I started following Jesus and then there was a time I got distracted. There was a time I got selfish. There was a time I was just foolish. Let me tell you my story so that you would follow him and not fail in the ways I have. And so this is how Asaph starts this psalm saying we have this God-given mission to tell our story. Now, then there's a brief history of Israel in verses 9 through 11. Now, some of you are thinking, man, he's only on verse 9. Look how big that psalm is. Go ahead and look. All right? Some of you are already thinking this. Listen, we're not going to make it through the whole psalm today, okay? It's like, man, we're not going to make it to the Buell's moving party. But I'm going to hit some of the highlights here. Verses 9 through 11, he gives a brief history of Israel. And I want you to hear this, that their story is our story. You see, this isn't just, oh, okay, some people a long time ago. But as you hear their story, you're going to say, you know what? That's my story. This is how I interact with God. This is how God interacts with me. Their story is our story. You're going to see their failures very much like our failures. You're going to see that the God they worship is the God that we are worshiping here today. So follow along as I read a few more verses, starting at verse 9 says this, the Ephraimites, again, he's just referring to the nation of Israel. They were armed with the bow. They turned back on the day of battle. That's not a good thing. Verse 10, they did not keep God's covenant. 
They refuse to walk according to his laws. There's some self-centeredness, some stubbornness. Verse 11, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. We're going to talk about some of those in a bit. But what this is, is this is just a quick snapshot of sin and brokenness. He says, let me just show you a quick snapshot to show you that these people are you. This is the history of God's chosen nation. Just a snapshot of sin and brokenness. They didn't keep God's covenant. They refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works. That story is our story, isn't it? You could put your name in there and say, you know what? I've failed to keep God's covenant, and I've refused to walk according to his law, and I've forgotten him. Look at verse 12 then. And it tells us more. It says, In the sight of their fathers, he, God, performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zone. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. Stop there for a second and just imagine what we just read. That he divided the sea and let them pass through it. And he made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. Verse 16, he made streams come out of the rock. He caused waters to flow down like rivers. Asaph is saying, here's the deal, that God has performed great wonders. God has performed great wonders. Don't you dare forget it. In fact, if you're taking notes, maybe you're starting to write down. Here's what God has done in my life. God rescued me this way. He pulled me out of this. He redeemed me from this. He helped me kick this addiction. And God has performed great wonders. Now what Asaph is doing right there is he's recounting basically Exodus chapter 7 through 14. Write this down. You can read this up late. Read this later. Exodus 7 through 14. He says, I'm just giving you a little history. In fact, this psalm is going to make it so that uh, we're going to basically read half of the Old Testament here in this psalm. But the point is that God rescues us. And he does from addictions, from trials, from marital problems. This is what God does. There's so many great wonders that God has performed. You could start counting them. And he says, don't forget that God has performed great wonders in your life. This is part of your story. As the Buells were sharing, this is part of our story. We had a tough season. We found some healing, but God has provided again. And they will continue to tell that story over and over and over. And their story is our story. Well, if you look at this, how do you think they responded, the Israelites? How did they respond to these wonders that God performed? You could guess, but I'm going to tell you this. It's really the same way you and I respond after we've seen great wonders. Follow along, verse 17. It says this, Yet they sinned still more against him. This is why I say their story is our story. Rebelling against the Most High in the desert, they tested God in their hearts by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Here they are. They have been rescued out of Egypt. They go through on dry land in a sea. They get out to the wilderness, and then they say, Could God possibly supply food for us and water for us here? 
Duh, he just did these things. But you and I do this, don't we? God does amazing things in our lives. We forget this, and then we start saying, but could God ever fix this? Verse 20 says, so he struck the rock, so the water gushed out and streams overflowed. This is in a desert. Then they ask questions like this. Can he also give bread and provide meat for his people? Verse 21, therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not, what's that say, believe. They did not believe in God, did not trust in his saving power. Verse 23, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven Man ate of the bread of angels, and he sent them food in abundance. Here's their story. God rescues. They're grateful. All of a sudden, there's hardships that come up, and they're like, where's God? Fix our problems. How come you're not doing anything? I think sometimes you and I even do things like that. Like, God, I'm going to forget all the good things you've done. I'm just going to bellyache about my problem right now. And I think this, that in hardships, the people of Israel, they sinned in a few ways. I just read this, and so let me uh, share this. In hardships, the people of Israel sinned by demanding of God. Demanding of God. God, fix this. Come on. Listen, God is not your magic genie. And if you think that, you're going to get disappointed. And when you start talking to the creator of the universe like your dog, you're in trouble. We sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Wow. Yes, he's merciful. Yes, he's mighty, but he's God. And you have to understand that. They were speaking against him. This is another way they sinned. They were speaking against him. The creator they're speaking against. Here's the creation, and they're speaking against the creator. It's the second way they sinned against him. Thirdly, I'd say this, that another way they sinned against God is by choosing not to believe. Choosing not to believe. When it came down to it, they just said, you know what, here we are in the desert. We just don't believe that God could do anymore. Yeah, he got us out of Egypt, but I don't know if he can solve this problem. You and I kind of do this. God, you did something amazing and you rescued me from the dominion of darkness. You did this, you saved my soul, but I don't know if you can fix the problem in my basement because it's just a mess right now. There's water flowing everywhere. That's just my personal problem. But you have problems too. And I got to tell you, I got frustrated, really frustrated last night when the basement started flooding. And then it did again. And then my wife calls me this morning and says, it's doing it again. And I'm like, man. And I thought, wait a second. I'm not going to speak against God because I'm going to tell these people that we're not called to speak against God, all right? But we're to believe and say, you know what? You've done so much in my life. Water, nothing. You have saved my soul. You see, in hardships, though, the people of Israel sinned. I think this story is our story. We sin in these ways. We sometimes think, you know what? God's not big enough to what? Fix your marriage. God's not big enough to do what? Help you in your addiction. God's not big enough to help you through your financial problem. God's not big enough to help you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever it is. 
God's not big enough to give you strength and help you with your cancer diagnosis. He is. He's faithful in these things. And this is why we are called. We're on a mission to share our story. Share our story. We're to learn from previous generations. I'm glad I had a dad and a mom that would say, you know what? Pray about it. Trust God with this. They said, oh, we could tell you story after story after story about how God has been faithful. It's like, okay. I read this quote again this week. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it, right? And that says something. Those who who fail to learn this from a previous generation, we're going to be doomed to make the same mistakes. It says something about the learners, but it also says something that you and I have a God-given mission to share our story. Share your story. Help somebody else say, you know what? I once was lost too, but now I'm found. I I was blind, but now I see. I once struggled. I was in jail. I was in prison. I had a record or whatever it is, but I got to tell you that God redeems and he rescues. You have a story to tell. Share it. It's a story that involves your failure oftenly, often, but it's a story of God's faithfulness. You start telling your story and say, listen, my story is partly failure. Man, I messed up. But my story is a lot of God's faithfulness. That's the story to share over and over. Your failures, God's faithfulness. And Asaph, as he's writing this, he's saying, listen, we have to share this. And with the kids here today, I thought, hey, we've got to share this again with our kids, with the next generation. Our failures and God's faithfulness. Go to verse 38. And it says this. And you should underline a couple words here. Yet he, that is God being compassionate, he atoned for their iniquity. Some of your Bibles would say that he forgave their sins. He did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were flesh or dust, a wind that passes and comes not again. Verse 40, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. How often they did that. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. They did not remember. They forgot when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zone. Verse 38, I want you to write this down. Yet, God being compassionate, he, I want to give this word to you, he covered, he covered for their sins. He covered for their sins. It's an interesting word there. Some of your Bibles, again, say atoned for, or some of your Bibles say forgave. I looked at that word. It literally means to cover. The idea is that if you are making a roof, that you will cover it with some pitch or something so that when the storm comes, that you will be safe. The idea is you need to be covered from a massive storm. I looked more at that word the first time that word is used. This is quite interesting. Write this down. Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. The first time this word comes up, and whether it's the word forgive or the word covered or atoned for, but in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, this is the story of, of Noah. 
And God tells him to build a boat because he says a massive flood is coming. And God says this, I want you to cover the boat inside and out. I want you to cover it inside and out because a massive flood is coming. And you need to be protected in ways that I can't even tell you. Now think about this. God says to Noah, you better cover this boat well because if you don't cover this boat well, you're not going to make it. Asaph, when he's saying this, he says, listen, God, because he's compassionate, he covered them. Covered them. Instead of laying out all his wrath, he said, I covered him. Well, what does that mean for us? You see, the story should have been God was angered and he gave up on the people. He said, you know what? You have hurt me so many times. I'm just leaving you. The floods are coming. You're paying for it. That's not the story because he's a compassionate God. The story should have been God was so hurt. He said, I'm just going to let you reap what you sowed. You messed up. You take it. A flood is coming. You're in trouble. That's not our God, is it? He's compassionate. He covers. We see that in Genesis. He says, I'm going to cover you, Noah, with this boat. I'm going to cover you, Asaph says, of this God. We then take this to Jesus. Peter writes of it this way as he looks back at Jesus' death and resurrection. He says this, the, the righteous one paid for all of the unrighteous ones, us. Jesus, the righteous one, he covered us inside and out. He paid for our sins. He covered us. This story has been playing out that God is a God who covers. He atones for. He forgives their sin. He didn't simply just say, you know what, I'll forget it. He says, I'm actually going to cover it for you. And that's the story that we're called to remember and share. That's the story. Listen, I was a messed up person, and I remember this, and God covered me so that I didn't have to pay for all of my sins. He covered me through Jesus Christ. That's the story we remember. That's the story we share. You and I have a common story, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that I was covered by Jesus. And again, I'll say this. You and I, we have a God-given mission to tell our story. What story? I've been covered. It's not that I worked really hard at this. It's not that I've shown up at church for like 15 straight weeks in a row. It's not that I'm 30 days clean and sober. It's that I was a complete mess. And Jesus covered me. I remember that story, and now I want to share that story. And as we go to communion today, this is the story I want us to remember. This is the story that you and I are called to remember, called to share The story of the rescue and redemption of slaves from Egypt, that's an important story. But it was just a picture of what God was really going to do from the greatest slavery we have with sin. God says, I'm going to cover you through my son, Jesus Christ. Today, if you're here and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as we go to communion today, I've got three closing thoughts for you. But maybe you're here today and you're exploring Jesus. You say, you know what? I haven't trusted to him yet. I'm going to try being good for a while. Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, stop trying to be good. That does not please God. What pleases God is that you would have faith in his son, that his son has covered you. You're saying, you know what? I'm going to try to cover myself with uh, good deeds and things like that. That's not a good covering. That will fail. 
There's only one covering that's going to keep you through the storm of life, and that's the blood of Jesus. And so if you've trusted in Jesus' rescuing work through his son on the cross, I'm going to ask that you consider these three thoughts with me as we close up here today. And these three thoughts are going to guide us as we go to communion. The first one is this. Remember. Remember how God has provided and rescued you. Remember. Part of this, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. I don't want you to forget. I know there are a lot of distractions. You get caught up with the problems of life. This is the most important problem that God did for you. He covered you. Remember how he has provided for you. Remember how he has rescued you. Secondly, I would say this, believe. Believe today that God is completely trustworthy. Believe today that he's completely faithful. It's an opportunity for you to say again, you know what? As I remember you, Jesus, I'm going to believe again that I can trust you with everything. I'm going to believe again that you are faithful to, to do good in my life. You are faithful to restore me, to redeem me, to rescue me. I'm going to believe that again today. Some of you may be believing that for the very first time today. Many of you will just need to believe that again today. Because you say, man, I am so uncertain about tomorrow, next week, next month. Believe today. As you remember Jesus, believe that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy. And then thirdly, as we go to communion today, share. Share your story within relationships. We're going to take a little extra time with communion today because if you have somebody with you, like some of you have your kid with you or maybe a grandkid with you or or a spouse with you, take even a moment today. Don't just rush up here, but take a moment to share what God has done in your life. It's a story of what? I've got massive failures, but I've got a massively faithful God far greater than my sins. Even share today. Maybe God puts this on your heart today and he says, you know what, you're going to share this story today. You're going on mission this week and you're going to share some of your story, how God has rescued you, how God has been good to you. In the relationships you have, you share some of your story, even today. So we're going to spend some time just remembering what Jesus has done for us. We're going to believe again as you eat and you drink We're going to believe and then share. Pray with the person sitting next to you. Say, man, I'm so grateful what God has done, but I need help to believe it even today. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me, that we reflect on this for a moment. This ancient story is our story here today in 2016. That there is a faithful God who rescues. And he has done so much in our lives and yet we forget him. We walk away from him. But in his compassion, he covers us. And I hope that as you would remember that today. You would believe again, this is the God who covers me. 
Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us today as we close our time together. Help us to remember. Not only happened what happened on the cross through Jesus, that certainly is the great gift that you gave to us. But help us to remember how you brought us out of darkness last month, five years ago, 30 years ago. God, help us to remember all those times that you've brought us out, you've rescued us, you've covered us. But would you help us believe, help my brothers and sisters to believe there's so much pain that we go through. Help us to believe that you're trustworthy and faithful. And even in these moments today, God, would you help us to share maybe with our kids, our grandkids. Help us to understand that this is part of the mission you've called us to today, this week, and the rest of our lives, to share our story. It's not a story of our greatness, but it's a story of your greatness. It's only, the only thing we bring to the table is failure. You bring covering. So thank you for that, Jesus. Bless this time as we look to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have some people praying here. They are there for you. As you come up, believer in Jesus Christ, as you come up, grab the bread, grab the cup, go back to your seat, remember and believe. But if you need someone to pray for you, they are there to pray for you. Take advantage of that today. Take this to the Lord. So let's just spend some time in closing, reflecting on Jesus. Remember, believe, share your story.